hey, it's time for the show, and here it is. So I was gonna do one of those, uh, one of those high concept, conceptual episodes where, uh, where I say we're in a, in a submarine or whatever the whole time, and uh, it was gonna be really, oh, it was gonna be so good, but, uh, oh man, there's a lot, man. So much is happening in the in the world in the news uh, issues that I had to address some some topical issues that I, f- I felt needed addressing. So that's what we're going to do now. Uh, Steve Bannon kicked him out of the White House. He's fired. Steve Bannon. He was one of the main White House guys, but um. Looks like he's fired, and uh, yeah, I don't know if that's a, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I'm not here to, to say either way. All I do know is the guy's weird looking. He's an unhealthy looking man. I was in an open mic a few months ago, uh, in, in my, in the town in Illinois I lived in comedy open mic and there was this guy in the crowd this middle-aged guy who uh who kind of looked like steve bannon like he didn't actually look like like maybe he was like a normal version of steve bannon like he didn't really look like him he had the haircut maybe and i was like oh man uh someone's gotta someone's gotta see this guy and notice him and be like, hey, thanks. Big thanks to Steve Bannon for coming out. Hey, give it up for give it up for Steve Bannon for coming out. Cause it's funnier when the, the person doesn't actually look like the famous person, but you pretend like you think they are. Like if it's too obvious, it's not funny, but uh, for some reason, this particular guy, to me I thought it would be very funny. If we called him, if we said he looked like Steve Bannon, called him Steve Bannon. So I started going around to my friends, trying to find someone who was going to go up so I could tell them to say the really good, uh, hey, it's Steve Bannon joke that I came up with. I felt it was really important, but, but none of my friends, but no one was going up or they had already gone up. And so I was like, oh man, you know, nothing worse than a wasted joke opportunity but finally at the end of the night the last person to go on stage they call they call his name and it's the Steve Bannon guy doing his first ever comedy open mic so he does a set and I don't remember it probably it was probably terrible it probably sucked big time it was fine I went up to my friend who was the who was emceeing in the back and I was like hey you gotta call this guy Steve Bannon say he looks like Steve Bannon and he was like, I don't know. And I was like, oh, you gotta, it'll, it'll be awesome. So anyway, the guy gets off stage and my buddy I'm seeing says, uh, guys, give it up for whatever the guy's real name is. Uh, he just got back from a fat Steve Bannon lookalike contest. He called this poor normal guy, fat Steve Bannon. The guy wasn't, he, was, he wasn't fatter than Steve Bannon. He was maybe as fat. He would have gone to a normal Steve Bannon look-alike contest, not a fat Steve Bannon look-alike contest. 
and I was like way meaner than I meant it to be. You were supposed to thank him, not call him. Fat Steve Bannon. Anyway, the, the guy never came back. I never saw him at an open mic again. So, um, hey, sorry, normal looking guy. Sorry. Uh, hope you didn't kill yourself. What else is in the news? We got, uh, oh, Tina Fey. She's doing a thing on TV, doing a bit about eating her, eating, eating a lot of cake. Tina Fey's in the news doing jokes about eating cake. You, you ever think it's weird on 30 Rock, like half the jokes were about Tina Fey being fat or Tina Fey being ugly or whatever? That was kind of weird because uh, she wasn't really fat or ugly. I mean, she just had glasses, you know? And that's, that's barely even a, like a disfigurement these days, having glasses. She does have that scar, which is cool. I always thought, I always thought scars would be cool, having a scar, uh, as long as you had like a good story behind it. When people ask you, where you, where'd you get that scar? And you could tell them a cool story. So people, so I was trying to think of, trying to think of like a cool story for myself. Some people are like, hey, those, uh, those scars on your face, what's the story? And I'd be like, well, it all started in Bermuda. So there I was skin diving 15 meters off the reef. When, when all of a sudden, this freaking great white shark swoops in out of nowhere. And then uh, I, I got acne really bad for, for, like, year, for like years, for like all of high school. Because that's all it takes, right? A cool story. Hey, speaking of speaking of stories that are not cool in the news, what's in the news? Oh, uh, here's a, a story. So Josh Whedon, uh, TV person Josh Whedon, he's in the news this week. He uh, apparently, I don't know who he is, but apparently he's one of the prominent male feminists of our time. But it turns out, we just found out, he's not actually a male feminist. He's just a guy who is being a fake male feminist to cheat on his wife a bunch or something like that. And so as a as an outspoken male feminist myself, a lot of people are now coming to me uh, wanting to know my reaction, my take on this whole thing. And I gotta say, as a male feminist, to all my male feminist allies, you know, maybe it's maybe it's time until women get it together, pull their heads out of their asses and start being able to tell the difference between a real male feminist and a, one of these fake Josh Whedon male feminists who's just trying to cheat on his wife a bunch 
Maybe it's... I don't know. Here's the thing about my grandma. My grandma passed away a couple years ago. It's, it's been a little while. Um, Grandma Maria, my mom's mother, died a few years after uh, after her husband Dave, my grandpa, after uh, 60, 60 something years of marriage. So I flew down to Florida for the funeral. Um, met up with my family and my all my cousins and aunts and stuff. And uh, after the after the funeral, we're Catholic, so we had a mass. After the mass, uh, there was like a reception kind of thing at one of my cousin's houses in uh, the Orlando suburbs. We started things off with a toast. Toast to Grandma Maria. Uh, we all drank Manhattan, uh, Maria's Manhattan, because she, my grandma, used to carry around little uh, business cards. She printed up with uh, it said Maria's Manhattan with her particular recipe, and she would give them out at uh, restaurants, I guess, and probably half the. Italian restaurants in uh, in Mount Dora, Florida, have this uh, these little business card recipes tacked up on the bar, and I don't I don't know what a Manhattan is. I do know that uh, Maria's Manhattan is a uh, Scotch. My cousins bought the supplies and they got a, a big plastic bottle of Scotch. One of those from the from the bottom shelf, I guess, that you have to reach way down for. Big old plastic bottle of scotch. And that was, that was pretty much the contents of Maria's Manhattan. Which we all choked down and toasted my grandma's ashes in, a, in her little in her little marble cube. And after that we were standing around and talking and drinking and one of my my aunts said to me uh, brought it up hey you do Steve you do stand up you do stand up comedy uh, you, you have to you have to do it for us you have to perform here in this living room for us and I was like oh yeah no I am not gonna do that um, I mean I gotta have I gotta have a, a stage it's got to be dark and not my family because um you know that's what you got to say as a stand-up comedian you got to pretend like it's a real like it's a real challenging thing and you can't you know you need special setting or whatever that's pretty one of the most important parts of being a stand-up comic is knowing how to respond when someone says tell me a joke or whatever uh and my cousins in my head were like 
uh, oh yeah, uh, you you do have to. Um, it's you're gonna do it. You are going to. Uh, in a little bit, you're gonna do it. So I was like, oh okay. So someone had turned the TV on and flipped around for a little bit until they until they found the movie Hitch on cable. Uh, Hitch, the movie starring Will Smith and Kevin James, which I, at the time, was unfamiliar with, knew almost nothing, knew pretty much nothing about, but uh, was apparently a family favorite because everyone pretty quickly became uh, entirely, entirely sucked into the, the movie Hitch. Starring, uh, starring Will Smith as some sort of a dating guru. He's Hitch. Will Smith is Hitch, and he's trying to Hitch is trying to help Kevin James uh, seduce and, and like marry, I think, uh, this wealthy twenty-five-year-old blonde woman who's like rich. She's an investment banker or something, and why not? You know what a. Oh, what a great uh, plot for a movie. And Will Smith is so great as Hitch and Kevin James's character uh, doesn't make any sense. He's really shy and clumsy and can't talk to women, I guess, but also he's like this crazy, he does crazy dancing at the beginning, like this obnoxious over the top dancing. And it's, it's, uh, it's horseshit. The movie is, but my my family is totally drawn into it. Like everyone in the room is uh, absorbed by Hitch, and they've totally, completely forgotten me or the promise of uh, my stand-up comedy. So I think good. I can. I have some time to think. Of, think of what to do. I'm drinking a beer and trying to remember. Even a single joke I've ever told. One, I, at, at the time, it's hard to remember uh, ever having told a single joke ever. Um, I think I had one about uh, Doritos. Probably, probably had some dick jokes, but it's not really good for family. And I, I look up after a minute and. Uh, seems hitch folks it's on a date of his own the dating guru has become the the dating student and he's on a he's on a jet ski first date one of those one of those famous jet ski dates that we all love going on love asking people on they're riding the jet skis and oh wouldn't you know it hitch knocks his freaking date off the jet ski and how's he, how's he ever going to come back from that? How are you ever going to make it with a, make it with a lady after you knock her off the jet ski? You know, that old, that old story. But my family is like totally mesmerized at this point. How, you know, how can I ever compete with Hitch? What could I possibly come up with to follow? Hitch? Hitch? 
And I'm thinking, I'm racking my brain. I think I had a... Uh, I think I had a joke about uh, time travel and Hitler. But, but like a fresh take on the subject, you know? Well, I think discerning audiences would really get a really get a kick out of my, my fresh take on the subject. And, and we're out of beer now, so I'm drinking red wine out of a solo cup. I look over the the table behind the couch, and there's the there's the marble cube containing the uh, earthly remains of my my grandma Maria. Next to next to hers on the table is a, a matching cube. That's Grandpa Dave. Passed away a few years earlier. Look around the room, containing uh, th their entire their entire legacy, their entire uh, everything they they did and worked for and uh, created in this world. It's in this room, you know, daughters, uh, nieces and nephews, grandchildren, and even uh, even a little great granddaughter running around. Everything they worked their whole lifetime to provide for, care for, make a good life for, we're all here in this one room, gathered, and uh, we're all laughing our heads off at the movie Hitch. At this point in the film, Hitch and Kevin James are uh, doing a role play how to give a how to give a goodnight kiss to a girl when you're on a date with her. Hitch is teaching Kevin James how to give a goodnight kiss to a girl, and they're doing a role play where uh, Kevin James is the girl. Hitch is Kevin James. They're doing a role play, and when you know it, the the whole the whole thing ends up with Will Smith kissing Kevin James. If you can believe that. And of course you do. Of course you know it was coming. We all knew it was coming. The second they set up the scene, the whole roleplay thing. Of course it was coming. You knew it. I knew it. My family knew it. We all knew it. We all knew it was coming. But we laughed anyway. It's a, it's a very well-made film. Hitch. And I'm laughing now too, and I realize I'm not trying to remember jokes anymore. I'm not trying to remember a stand-up comedy set. I'm watching Hitch. And I'm watching all my family watch Hitch. And I'm watching myself watch all of them watching Hitch. And I'm narrating the whole thing in my head, I realize. As though I'm doing a stand-up comedy routine, I'm in my head I'm narrating it. I'm doing this routine in my head at the time, in real time, because I have a brain disease from doing stand-up comedy, where you observe all events as they're happening, as though you're doing jokes on a stage in front of people. Your, your entire interior monologue becomes this horrible, hacky, asshole stand-up comedian voice, 
going through your head all the time, narrating everything you do and everything you're experiencing as though you're doing a, a stand-up comedy monologue totally destroys your ability to get any joy, fulfillment out of life ever again. And we're out of wine at this point, so I'm drinking plastic bottle scotch. And the next thing I know, Hitch is over, and uh, they forgot all about me doing stand-up. They never asked me. So, uh, so big thanks to the movie Hitch. Big shout out to, uh, to the movie Hitch. I owe you one. Uh, Hitch. So I did that whole uh, grandma's funeral, drinking Manhattans, watching Hitch thing uh, on stage once, and it was okay. They laughed, it was heartfelt or whatever. Uh, And afterwards, afterwards, someone came up to me and they were like, hey, I love the Hitch bit. You gotta keep the, Steve, you gotta keep the Hitch bit. And I was like, Thanks. Uh, that wasn't that wasn't really a bit. Um, my grandmother actually died, and I went to the funeral, and my whole family uh, forgot their sorrows thanks to Hitch. And I wrote it in my head. At the time, um, some kind of drunken coping mechanism or something. And I just got back a few days ago, and I did it on stage for you, but, uh, thanks. Uh, thanks, I'll definitely, uh, keep the hitch bit. And I was thinking about it, trying to think about what they meant by that, uh, you gotta keep the hitch bit, trying to think what they meant. Like they were saying that from now on, I should, should view all personal tragedies in my life through the lens of uh, watching Hitch at the same time. Process every tragic event that befalls me out loud on stage, imagining uh, watching Hitch simultaneously with my loved ones. Like, oh man, guys, my, uh, oh man, my, my girlfriend left me because of my drinking problem. And, uh, and what if that was juxtaposed against the events of the Will Smith, Kevin James movie Hitch? Could you imagine that? Oh man, my, my dad's dying of cancer. What if, uh, what if the movie Hitch was on at the time? How, how hilarious would that be? Th- thanks for the suggestion. And I started picturing all these horrible tragedies and atrocities happening in my life. 
and it kept running through my head against the movie Hitch, and before I knew it, I was, I was visualizing my entire life laid out end to end, from my birth to my death, uh, my entire life compressed to the length of the movie Hitch. playing right next to each other on two screens simultaneously. My entire life and the and the 2005 film Hitch. You know, my, my birth would be up against like the title sequence. My childhood would be uh, the first act where we're still trying to, still trying to get to know the characters. Kevin James and uh, and Will Smith will be like, oh, you know, Hitch thinks he's so thinks he's so smooth, but is he really all that? Does he does he really have the the dating master skills to to back up all that smooth talk? I guess we'll find out. My late 20s slash uh, early 30s would be some of that second act tension where you're you're not sure if Kevin James is ever gonna fall for the love of his life or whatever. She's gonna she's they're gonna go on a date and they're gonna get married forever or whatever the movie's about. And you know what the at the end of the movie when Hitch and Kevin James presumably both end up with their respective love interests and the credits start to roll. Am I going to be in a marble cube next to my wife of 60 plus years surrounded by my loving progeny in a beautiful house? Hell no. Hell no. I mean, it doesn't look that way. And I was thinking, would any would any one scene in my life hold up to the comparative scene and hitch playing at the same time? Would any event in my life outrank whatever scene and hitch it was playing up against? Ah, I really doubt it. pretty slick film and you know how many of us here on the planet earth if you stop and take our take our entire life smoosh it down to the runtime of the the movie hitch would be would be a better view would be better watch would hold up against this movie one percent two percent of us Whatever it is, it's way less than 69%. The fresh percentage for the movie Hitch on the Rotten Tomatoes website. Way less than 69%. So yeah, person at the stand-up comedy show years ago who told me to keep the Hitch bit, yeah. I'm keeping the hitch bit. I'm keeping it weighing over my consciousness at all times. 
for the rest of my life. Hanging like a huge marble cube above me at all times. Ready to crush whatever joy or happiness I find in any one moment. Knowing that it could never stand up to the respective scene in the movie Hitch. Yeah. I'll keep the hitch bit. Alright, that's the end. Have a good life.